reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. We got ourselves a mailbag pod. I'm very happy with the questions today. You know, hopefully we get them all in. Then we're going to start with some Daniel Jones talk. Um, but Justin, first, the huge news of the day. Tay Crowder signed with the Steelers. Whoa, huge news. In my brain, even though he was brought back to the practice squad, in my yeah, brain, he was already gone Tay Crowder was gone and not a thought, even when he was released. But uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him that he's he's got he's made it onto an active roster with the Steelers. I think he so. deserves it. I think he deserves to be a, a member on a 53-man roster. Hi, Bobby Skinner. Um, I have the Air DJ shirt on because we're going to be talking some Daniel Jones with our first question today. Uh, I got back from Atlantic City. I put $40 on black. I won, and I'm been, I've been riding high ever since. I love Atlantic City, by the way. I bought I bought some chocolate uh, mousse, like a chocolate mousse uh, in like a cup. Went to a bar, smoked a cigar, had a Coke with lemon, did all three activities at one time. Like Atlantic City is like you can do whatever you want down there. It's like the Wild West. The Wild, Wild west um who which version of uh never mind um oh no let's get into this mailbag pod got some good questions this episode was wow i'm fine i'm fine i'm excited for i wish it was the colts game like i've never been like let's just get to the next game so quickly um because there's like some good stuff by the giants even though they lost and it's like it's the colts like it's the one team in the league you should feel confident against oh now this episode is brought to you by Mike Mir. He's not a mirror cat. He's just here, cat. He's mm. here, dog. Uh, Ira Blumenthal, he's our guy. Uh, Hayden Parker, big fan of the show. And then someone who's actually in the chat. Are, you've only been a, he's only been a part of the fam for an hour and a half. Steven Pannone. Justin, who are these people? Oh, Steven. Welcome. Part of the perks. And Steven is utilizing it. If you go to patreon.com slash talking giants, two hours a month plus some other tiers. Part of the perks is that you get to hang out with us live. While we record the shows, I'll tell you what, Colts Preview Pod, juices are going to be flowing. If we win, when we win on Sunday, and we clinched a playoff spot, the first, like preparing for our first playoff game in Talking Giants history, you're going to want to be part of the energy that's going on in the chat. And part of, you know, part of being a community member is that even at, what are we at, 9.30 at night, and we got... A solid 30 people in this chat, all talking Giants together. You can have your side conversations while we're just chatting and rambling away. Patreon.com slash talking Giants. Join the best community of Giants fans in the world. Thanks for our patrons. Speaking of Steven, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Bye, guys. Here's the mail. It never 
fails, it makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes, I wanna wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question. By the way, is- people who complain about the Steve from Blues Clues, the Blues Clues song, never going away. You're wasting your breath. It's literally never going away. All right, go ahead. Never going away. Um, never. People forget I sang it the first time we did it. Oh, wish we could do that again. You want to try it now? No. Clint Marks That's at the, Clint That's the reason QB. I only did it one time. It went badly. At Clint QB. Disagree. What's holding you both back from saying Jones is the guy moving forward? I think it's a no-brainer. Okay, so it's been two weeks since I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to stop beating around the bush. Like, I'm back in the defend Daniel Jones camp. Like, he... Here's where I will say flat out to me. Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. Flat out. To me, he is a good quarterback. Now, is he a great quarterback? I don't think so, and I don't think he's going to be. But I think people don't appreciate good quarterback play in the in the in striving for great QB. You know, it's like kind of all or nothing. And you see it. It's even the great QBs could have a bad three-week stretch, and it's like, they, you know, Mahomes last year. People were saying Mahomes was figured out last year. It's like, are yeah. you guys out of your mind? <laughs> um, you know, so I will say that. And we'll talk about, I think DJ is elevating this New York Giants uh, offense. I think outside of Andrew Thomas, he's been the best player on this Giants offense, and he has made players better. Um, You know, and people make, so when people, you know, fans, rightfully so, like, get this guy some weapons, right? And the thing is, people will equate that to like, well, with Sam Darnold, like he had a bad situation. It's like, yeah, but Sam Darnold was just flat out bad in his bad situation. Or you'll say guys like Tua was like, oh, well, Tua, he's only a product of his situation. But here's the difference right now, Justin, is that Daniel Jones has one of, if not the worst situations in the NFL, and he's playing good with good coaching. Coaching, I think, is the most important thing for quarterback play. Yes, He's playing good. So it's not like he's playing it's not like it's he's playing bad and we're just like, oh, give him give him this. You know, it's not like, you know, if Zach Wilson was on this roster and he's playing bad, but we're like, we gotta give him a chance, get him weapons, get him this, you know? It's just he's just like he's playing well in a with bad players around him. You know, with a you know, with bad offensive line outside of his left tackle and left guard the last couple of weeks. You know, bad wide receiver play. Like he is Justin, he is elevating this wide receiver group. You know, I've seen people like trying to give credit to the wide receiver group and, and you know, give guys their credit where it's due. But in this this season, Daniel Jones, he's at Slayton is averaging 63 yards per game since coming back into the mix, you know, which is his highest of his career with 16 yards per catch, high of his career on his highest catch rate, highest of his career. Isaiah Hodgins, who got cut by the Bills, who cannot get separation. This is a guy who can't, who really can't get good separation. He's not fast. He's yeah, averaging smart. 44 yards per game on an 80% catch rate. He's been a, he, we'll talk about him later. He's been a huge upgrade over Marcus Johnson, but he has an 80% catch rate. And then when you put Richie James and Wandale Robinson just like just fill in the blank for the slot position this year, 73 catches, 720 yards on a 77% catch rate. The tight end group has an 86% catch rate. Like he is making the most out of a bad group, a, a, a bad surroundings. So that's why I am in the camp of Daniel Jones is a good QB. Now, why I may not be full on like sign him. He's the franchise is I don't think he's going to be a great QB. And I don't think, I don't think he is a great QB and I don't think he's going to be a great QB, but I think there's five to seven of those guys in the NFL. 
and I think people get lost trying to find those five to seven, and they want to throw away a good. Yeah, and, yeah, and just because you don't have one of those, uh, I think five to seven is is a stretch, Bobby. But uh, just because you don't have a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, you know, elite top tier quarterback, that doesn't mean that you know the quarterback that you have doesn't matter, and that you should just scratch everything and scrap everything until you can find that elite quarterback. That's just not real life. Uh, no matter how much you know, uh, like people like myself, and I think every fan wants that elite top tier quarterback. Uh, but also, you have to trust the coaching staff that, and you have to trust the front office that if there's an opportunity to go get that guy, that they will go get that guy. And I think the Giants are in a very good situation right now with Daniel Jones, where they can give him the tools to be successful. Uh, with the 52 other guys on the roster around him. And then also financially, they can give him the tools to you know, be successful to kind of keep him here for a little bit while still looking to upgrade the QB spot as well this offseason. So the question is, what's holding you both back from saying Jones is the guy moving forward? I think the guy is one of those like sports radio phrases. And it's just, you know, a, a Twitter phrase, social media phrase that people just throw around all the time. I I think Daniel Jones can be a quarterback for the Giants that makes the Giants a successful team. They are a successful team right now, you know, about to go to the playoffs. But the I guess another phrase is, can Daniel Jones be a quarterback that will win you a Super Bowl? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Daniel Jones can be a quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl, but he can be part of a team that can be contending for a Super Bowl. But Jones has deserved the opportunity to be here, at least in my opinion, uh, for the next upcoming few years. He, he's deserved that opportunity. And Bobby, you've talked about just the lack of talent the Giants have on the roster around Daniel Jones. Um, Arjun Manan put out a, a an interesting, cool graphic today from PFF War and looking at wins above replacement. Uh, Non-quarterback wins above replacement. Uh, the Giants have the second lowest combined wins above replacement when you look at the non-quarterback position. So what that means is that the positions around the quarterback are not contributing a lot, and the Giants still have the winning percentage, and they're competing for the playoffs like they are right now. So I agree with you. Daniel Jones is elevating this bad roster, and he does deserve an opportunity to compete, be the Giants quarterback with a better roster. And he's getting through games near, damn near flawlessly. And... The mistakes are not turnovers, you know, like we are the best turnover team in the NFL. Yeah. By the way, side note, we have the least amount of turnovers um, in the NFL, yet Andrew Thomas still has more tackles than sacks allowed this year. He got hit four tackles. He had two <laughs> tackles this past week, so he has four tackles on the season. That's, so that'll be two years in a row, so don't give up a sack in these next two weeks, AT. Um, now, here's the the thing against that. We have the second to last amount of deep throwing percentage in the NFL, only to Matt Ryan. Daniel Jones does. In 2021, he was the last. In 2020, he was sixth to last. Now, in, in 2019, he was middle of the pack, which, again, but he also had the turnovers in the middle of the pack. So, at some point, like, when the weapons are there, you've got to be taking shots. And I think part of that is the scheme, too. Like, it's not like... But DJ does... There is... Not a game, but there is games, multiple games where there's one or two plays where it's like, man, you should have took a shot here, you know. Um, but other than that, he's been operating the offense damn near flawlessly. Um, so, and again, he is ele- he is flat out elevating this roster. When people are like, can he elevate the talent around him? It's like, yes. Once he had good coaching, he has now shown that he can elevate the the talent around him. And coming into the, and I said it, I said it in our group chat, Justin. I was like, I kind of hate that I'm back in on Daniel Jones. Because in the offseason, it's like, okay, he's going to improve 
but how much is he going to improve? And then also the Giants, like we said in the PPPs, like what does they have to do to come back? We're talking about like, well, do this when? better, do this. but we're like, like it sucks. Like it's not tech totally fair, but it's like at the end, of the day, you got to win games. Well, guess what? They are winning games, and he is winning games with bad talent around him. So, so to answer the question, I will flat out say I think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback, but I want there to be more aggressive uh, aggression in his game next year. And, you know, once there's weapons around, like it has to, it can't just be like, you know, he's looking good on film. Like it's gotta, it's gotta show up in numbers and stuff because it, because you could use, you could still point, you could, if you wanted to, you could point to, well, we're the 28th in passing offense. Um, 20th and we in don't points throw the ball. game, stuff like that. Yeah. But at the end, but at the same time, it's like, you know what? He's 11th in total QB yards this year when you include rushing. And I think we shouldn't t- like. People try and take away the rushing element for quarterbacks. You no, you never can't. Do I've, I've been a huge advocate that you can't take it away. If yeah. you can't take away rushing, then you you can't be excited about Justin Fields. You can't think Lamar uh, Jackson's a great QB. You know, so you can't take away that. Takes element. away Josh Allen's part of Josh Allen's game too. I think there's three QBs in the NFL right now um, that have. And somebody on Twitter actually gave me this this, this Jalen trivia Hurts question. Too. J- Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones are the three QBs in the NFL right now that have over. I want to get this number right. That have over. 3,000 passing yards and over 600 rushing yards. That's it. It's a, it's a, it's part of DJ's game, um, and it's a valuable part of DJ's game. And All he right, stayed next. healthy, too, he st- which has been a huge, huge part of Daniel Jones' season. Is that? Yeah, it? if he didn't get hurt last year, I think there'd be, like, his year last year ended on the sourest of the part of the season. Oh, yeah. Because he was playing well, and then his last two games were not good. The Bucks game, which was horrible, and then the Eagles game, even, when the, even though we won it. He missed, but no, he good. got injured on the second play, and we're like, "Why is he? He's just missing compared to other games." But nonetheless, um, next question. Nonetheless, next question. What's your worry level for Evan Neal at compared to Andrew Thomas at the end of year one? Nick Young asked this at Nick Young underscore forty four. So. Andrew Thomas is a reason why Evan Neal deserves patience. And Evan Neal does deserve patience. He's a rookie. Um, I feel like there's a but, though. Well, here's the but. It's just because Andrew Thomas is great now doesn't mean that Evan Neal's going to be great. You Correct. Know? Andrew Thomas, again, is the reason why Neal deserves patience. He's not the reason why Evan Neal's going to be great. Evan Neal's got to improve on his game to be great. And here's where... But people also forget that Andrew Thomas showed growth his rookie year. I had and, this point and linear on, growth too. I had this point uh, on online, you know, this weekend. You know, I had the tweet that I said I think the Giants should consider not benching Evan Neal, but taking Evan Neal out of the game. Like I feel like benching has the, this connotation of we're putting you on the bench simply because of bad play, and you're not coming back in the game. Um, I, I would have done that this past Sunday. Evan Neal should start at right tackle for the rest of the season, though. That's what I would have. That's what I would have done last week. But people are people keep on saying, well, Andrew Thomas was bad his rookie year. Andrew Thomas was bad his rookie year. Andrew Thomas was bad during the first half of his rookie year. And then, like Bobby said, he showed that linear growth. We are not seeing the the growth and the progression of Evan Neal. So that's why, in my brain, you know, which may be different from Bobby's, my brain like doesn't go to Oh, you know, we're we're we may see that Andrew Thomas like jump at Evan Neal because we're not even seeing that progression and that growth right now from his rookie year. Do I still think Evan Neal could be a quality, solid player for the New York Football Giants? I still think Absolutely. he will be. 
Absolutely, because he's not Eric Flowers, and from everything that we know, the dude's going to work hard to get better. And also, his problems seem to be fixable. Like, dude, get out of your freaking stance. <laughs> That's the main issue. Yeah, so we're, and Thomas, after seven games, got better. He had a bad game versus the Cardinals mixed in there. Um, you know, uh, and also Thomas's issues were like very technique wise and Neil's are like, he's getting beat around the corner or he's getting bull rush and, and bullied at times. Um, so that's where it's different, you know, where it's like, sometimes it's physical stuff with Neil we're off balance, but there is technique stuff that he needs to fix. But at the same time, I never expect Evan Neal to be good as, as good as Andrew Thomas. Like to me, Andrew Thomas was a better, uh, much better, pro- not much better, but a better prospect than Evan Neal. Um, you know, I know draft people don't agree with that, but uh, that's that's the way I felt pre-draft with both those guys. I like Andrew Thomas more. Um, you know, people forget I I was right about the 2020 class. All right, mm. stop patting yourself on the back, Bobby. You're right. So there's that. And but again, I, I do think Neil's going to figure it out. I don't think he's going to be at Andrew Thomas's left tackle or level as a tackle, but that's again, there's like three guys, there's like three other left tackles in the NFL who are at that level right now. Um, but again, Andrew Andrew Thomas's success does not correlate to Evan Neal's going to have success. But it no. does give you an example of why to have patience. But it doesn't. But you can't pretend that he's just not playing bad and he's he's auto, he's automatically going to get better. Like we we do want to see progress, and it looked like progress was happening. He had the injury, and he is dealing with a shoulder injury too, which should be you know remembered. But also, like it's some of the same issues he was having before. Right. Right. All right. Next question. Next question. This is one that I'm excited to talk about. The offense is now 11th in EPA per play on the season, and I know DVOA likes them too. They're good in the red zone, and turnovers haven't been an issue. So what do you think is the reason for the disconnect between those advanced metrics and their point production, which is 20th in points per game? Michael Luisi at Michael Luisi 13 he asked that question. Why am I reading the question first and then saying their Twitter handle? Yeah, you're really off your game today. Sorry. So you understand how these things work better than I do? Yeah. Um, here's one thing I'm going to say, though. And this is the last bullet point I put on my on my notes. We'll talk about it. We haven't had the monster game. Uh, bad bad offenses have the high the one random high scoring game. Yeah. The Giants haven't had that. So if they had one third, if they score 38 versus the Col- Colts, they will be the number 14 offense in the NFL. You know, which is, again, close to 11, a lot closer to 11 than 20 is, you know, so. But then the other thing I had, like, they're good in the red zone and no turnovers leads to the high EPA. Um, well, yeah, th- I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Um, that's the biggest that's 100 percent the biggest thing. The Giants are still number one in the NFL, uh, thanks to an Eagle game that had a lot of turnovers. Their offense, they're still number one in the NFL, despite turning over the ball twice this past weekend. Uh, their offensive turnover per drive rate is point zero six eight. The second best in the NFL is the Tennessee Titans at point zero eight six. So they are number one in the NFL and the least percentage of turnovers by a solid good margin. So really, I, I think, you know, Mike, you know, referred to it in the question itself, but turnovers are really, really impact. They impact negative EPA. Um, I do know DVOA, the Giants are, they have the 15th ranked offense, but they have the 10th ranked rushing offense and the 10th ranked passing offense. But what I will also say, you know, the disconnect between points per game and EPA, EPA the fact that they are, the least explosive passing offense in the NFL, it means something. It 100% means something. And it's it's what's made their season where they are 
top 10, top 11 in EPA per play. It's what made their season that they are sort of close to average in points per game too, which that's what I was asking for this year. The fact that they are so bad and it is literally 50 feet of crap than the Giants uh, in terms of <laughs> explosive pass play rate in the National Football League. It's what makes what the Giants are doing so impressive because how bad they are in that category, especially knowing Kafka, Dable, that's where they're coming from. They're coming from systems that they want to be explosive, and they were explosive, and that was the reason why those teams were winning games. Uh, I have some other stats on you know just how important explosive plays are, but I want to get your thoughts before we before we talk about more. No, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with that. Again, the points per game, like I said, the, they don't have the huge game. And and like you said, it's like they kind of have to play perfect, and they don't uh, when they're not ex- ex- you know, producing explosive it's just, plays. It's tough, man. It's tough to run these. I say it all the time, and you're, you, everybody gets – I'm sick and tired of saying it. It's so tough to have these 10, 11, 12, 13-play drives where somebody doesn't hold, somebody doesn't drop a pass, Evan Neal doesn't allow a sack – you know, so many things have to go right. That's why that that 18 play, 97 yard drive. That's why I was like, I was so impressed by it. And I think Bobby, like your, you know, your ability to be impressed by it, I think was a little bit less in that reaction pod versus me. I'm like, that was just so freaking awesome because that is not something that you can repeat on an every game basis. Let alone, I think you can maybe bang out, bang out maybe one of those like once a month. And it's felt like the Giants have had more than a few of those this season but still there's they're extremely extremely rare um and it's also extremely rare for sometimes to those result in seven points as well a lot of you know, a lot of times at least with these former giants teams they would have a 13 14 play drive and it only results in three points because everything just stalls in the red zone credit to the coaching staff you know credit to the creativity inside the red zone that actually gets the Giants seven and that's one of the reasons why they have you know eight wins this year and they're on the cusp of a playoff berth yep but here's but here's what I wanted to say just about the value of explosive plays. Uh, the 33rd team did a study. This is from last from last off season. That they did another study from this off season. So there's two different paragraphs that I'm going to read. The one is a little bit older, and then the second one that I'm about to read is this is from this off season. So since 2010, only one out of every 10 drives with no explosives has ended in a score, while that rate triples when an offense has even a single explosive play. Once an offense has two explosives, they have better than a 50% chance to score, and it only increases from there. Uh, similar to how I count an explosive play, I count a running play of 10 plus yards to be a quote unquote an explosive play. And then they're considering here a pass play of 15 plus yards to be an explosive play. I consider, and I really chart it myself, uh, a pass play of 20 plus yards to be an explosive play. So it really just jumpstarts everything. Now, this is actually something that I want to do this year. And maybe mailbag next week, I'll be able to fully, fully report on it. But the Giants last year, in their four wins, 61% of their yards came from explosive plays while their losses saw a rate of 43% of their yards coming from explosive plays. And that difference was 18.4%. That was the largest difference in any team in the NFL. The Giants offense last year desperately needed explosive plays to be successful. Think of the Saints game. Um, you know, think of all the games that were super, super bad. And, you know, I basically, I don't even know for the second half of the season, you know, those explosive play videos, they were probably like 45 seconds, 30 seconds or less, you know, versus that Saints game and a lot and the, the Vikings game. The explosive play clips that I compiled were like two minutes long and they were pushing that two minute, 20 second boundary of these Twitter videos. That's what we want. The Giants offense also this past Sunday against the Vikings had their most 20 plus yard plays in a single game, and that doesn't count garbage time against the Lions. So I talk about it all the time. 
explosive plays are really, really important. Um, and I honestly think even though the Giants EPA-wise DVOA, top 10 in that in that range, if you get those explosive plays, we will see the Giants offense be pushing top 10 in points per game, more 30-point games, et cetera, et cetera, next year. We got to do it. Next we question. Do it. I can I can now very much understand why people hate when I ramble on about stats because it's no, annoying. that was good. <laughs> uh, big dash nose uh, at big dash nose. I just want the musical chairs to end. Does Ben Bredesen get the start at left guard? And how do you feel about Gates taking over at center? What's going on with Ben Bredesen, Nick Gates, John Feliciano, Mark Galinsky, Bobby? So I thought about not putting this question on here because we've like done this for over a month straight in the mailbag pod. Yeah. And it's like we try to not double up on topics, even two mailbag pods in a row. But you know what? It's too important to not talk about it. Nick Gates, he put, his first two games at guard weren't great. You know, not horrible. They weren't as bad as Golinski, but they weren't they weren't great. They weren't they were it wasn't the type of tape you just like, man, this is awesome. Like his center tape versus the Cowboys, like was awesome. Like that was sick. The past two weeks at guard, he's been rotating. He's played really well, especially in pass protection. And then Bredesen um, had some shaky moments in this pass game, but he's like overall better. So here's the thing. is It's just too important to not talk about this. We have enough of a sample size. Bredesen is back from his injury. That Nick Gates should be the starting center, and Ben Bredesen should be the starting left guard. We are getting into nut crunching time. Not Actually, we're not getting into it. We're, we it's are. here. It's here. And one run, one pass can make the... Effing difference between winning and then losing, between living and dying, to quote my good friend Al Pacino. Seriously. And it's too important to play favorites. It's too important to be, these are my guys. And I told this guy he'd be the center, and this was our free agent piece. You've shown the balls to get rid of guys that didn't fit. Well, guess what? Guys aren't fitting right now. They're the guys you brought in. Time to start Nick Gates as center. These guys are younger, and they are better. They are younger, and better and it's time stop playing favorites stop picking your guys over there guys over over the old guys nick gates should be the starting center he fought back from a broken leg shouldn't have even been playing and he's playing better than the guy you brought in to be the starting center ben bredesen was at the with the third team in training camp when it started justin when we were there it was an afterthought he is your best guard right now play him play these guys for the playoffs invest in the future while playing these guys Nick Gates is center, Ben Bredesen in a left guard. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. And I, 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 we've got enough of a sample size to where not doing it is picking favorites. Yeah, Nick Gates has only allowed uh, one pressure over the last two weeks in 37 pass rushing snaps. Has only allowed one QB hurry, no sacks, no QB hits allowed. I agree with you, man. I, what, what is there to say? What's there to say? Ben Feliciano Bredesen. got bullied on some plays last week. And again, center is an easier spot to play than guard. Yeah. You know? So, like, Gates, you know, Feliciano's numbers should be a lot better than Gates's. Um, you know, and then you, like, you compare Gates's guard numbers versus, like, other centers in the NFL, and they're right there towards, uh, you know, to, like, in the top half of them. Like, he he needs to play. It's like, we've got enough of the sample size. These guys are back. These guys are back from their injuries. Different injuries, but they're back from their injuries. Play them. They're, they're younger. They are better. They have better uh, ability, you know, just athletic ability, better strength. It's time to play them. And I'm not even asking for Mark Glinski to be benched, but you should bench Feliciano. He's a, he's a one year stopgap. Nick Gates should be the starting center. It's just ben frustrating. Be a stop lifting guard. Why why do the guys that play better have to rotate? Well, I was just about to say the, it's frustrating that the two guys that are 
the two best interior offensive linemen on the on the team are in are in a rotation with each other. The two best interior offensive linemen on the team right now are in a rotation with each other, and the two worst interior offensive linemen are the ones that are starting full time and hurting the team more than the more than they're helping. Yep, play play them. But they're not going to do it. I I I understand why they're not going to do it, but they're not. They're Doesn't not matter. Going we to need to it. freaking be knocking on that door. I mean, if you want the Giants to match up better against the Colts, the Eagles, and what probably will be the 49ers, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks, then that's the move to make. But do what it. do we know? What do we know? Uh, next Beat question. reporters, start asking about it. Start right about that. Stop writing about stupid, silly shit that no one cares about. Yeah, why? Why are the two? Why are the two best interior offensive linemen on the team in a rotation with each other? That's Tony the, Award voting is in a week. You want to win it? Ask about that. That's the question. Dig about that. Find about that. Push the buttons on that. I mean, it's not even it's not even PFF grades. Uh, or excuse me, it's not even just you know fi- you know. I guess Bobby Skinner. You can consider him a film guy, but I mean, if I think the the PFF grades would be in your favor too, which I know a lot of the beat reporters like to just kind of su- side with that because you know they don't. I'm saying this respectfully. They don't know football, so I don't know football. So, next question. Next question. Um, this is coming from Joe Lagrippo at Joe underscore Lagrippo. If the Giants beat the Colts on Sunday, of the beat reporters Joe Lagrippo. Yeah. Uh, if the Giants beat the Colts on Sunday, I'm going to change that to when the Giants beat the Colts on Sunday. Would you slash do you expect the Giants to rest some of the starters in the final week of the season if it's virtually meaningless? Yeah, I'm with the way the Giants are so thin. Like I put out, I put together a list. I would, I would rest Kayvon Aziz, Leo Dex, so the whole front four, Adore, assuming that he can get back this week, Neil because he's dealing with an injury. If he wasn't dealing with an injury, I wouldn't. Um, Saquon, and then DJ. I think yeah. I would bring DJ out there and maybe play him for a half or something. Yeah. Um, but if they win and. Honestly, like, even if the the six or seven seeds at stake, like, I just think your health is much more important than having a higher seed than the the seven seed. Like, I know facing the Eagles in the second round would be the worst. Like, you'd much rather face the Vikings or 49ers or whoever or a wild card team that wins. Um, but in all reality, the seven seed in the NFC is probably going to lose two. I don't. I don't know. But no, I, I, mean, I would. The- I, I think the Giants injury. Like issues are way too like they're way too thin. I I would rest those guys. The according to Football Outsiders, the Giants have an eighty two percent chance of getting the sixth seed, and they have like you know they have a they have it listed here a a nine point six percent chance. I don't know why that doesn't add up to a hundred. Something must I don't know. They they've they're gonna get the sixth seed. They're gonna get the sixth seed. Um, people were talking about resting starters this week, and they were asking about that. No. I'm like no. Do not. No, no, no. That's insane. That. You gotta. We gotta win to make the play. Play. You know. You know what's crazy? I don't even know if they would. I, I would. I would sit Leo in this hypothetical. In this hypothetical situation, I would sit Leo. I would sit Aziz. I wouldn't sit Kayvon, and I wouldn't sit Dex. I would just, you know, I would limit their reps. I don't think they can, because think of think of this active fifty three man roster, and think of just. How many guys, especially on the interior, like is are is really is Justin Ellis, Henry Mundo, and Ryder Anderson going to be the only three interior defensive linemen active? 
I mean, th- think of how many guys on this 53-man roster that we see every single week in big-time, high-leverage situations. Like, there is no, like, wow, the Giants have this interior defense alignment on the team that we that just never plays. They have this, you know, they have this Joe Schmo that just never plays. We see somebody, we see guys, relevant guys, especially on the defense side of the ball, every single week. And it's crazy. It's crazy how much of the depth chart the Giants have to use this year. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, I would try and re- – like you said, maybe not full on just like not play them, but it, like you said, limit limit their reps. Yeah, and I you would know, do the same thing Saquon. Dex under 50%. You know it would be funny to just play Kenny Galladay 100% of the snaps versus the Eagles. <laughs> they should. Why not? <laughs> uh, um, but we are getting a little ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are. Um, Did you see got, uh, Mark, Marcus Johnson? Marcus Johnson was on the field. Uh, running snaps. some deep concepts, running some deep concepts. I think there were, I think two out of the three plays that he was on the field for Daniel Jones had running plays of 10 plus yards. So there you go. If you're the Colts, Jeff Saturday, make note of that. If Marcus Johnson's on the field, Daniel Jones is going to take off and scramble. And then Kenny Galladay was on the field for two. Richie James, explosive play, cleared him out, cleared space for him. Yeah. Yeah. Basically both those guys are like, all right, go clear space. <laughs> That's seriously what their roles were on, on Saturday. Uh, speaking of wide receivers, the funk at junior underscore giants. What do you think on the offense uh, or who do you think on the offense aside from Saquon Barkley should be used more primarily as a wide receiver? One is Slayton still that guy or as Isaiah Hodgins started the show more lately. And is it possible he could be the main target moving forward? I wanted to turn this into a wide receiver one conversation because Hodgins is is the the shiny toy right now, and he's coming off of his best game, even though it's less yards than Richie James. Um, but I want to set the narrative. Darius Slayton is still clearly the best wide receiver on this Giants roster. Yes. Um, but Hodgins is very valuable because he's a huge upgrade over Marcus Johnson. You know, like Hodgins is good in that. You know, one in his releases, the subtleties of route running to get a bit of separation, and and again, he's got. An 80% catch rate with the Giants, which is for an outside receiver and a big a guy who's not a separator, that's insane. He also Speaks doesn't to- have a he also doesn't have a single drop. And Marcus Johnson, I feel like what you know, how many targets does he have? I felt like drops were an issue for Marcus Johnson. Dropped the touchdown essentially versus the Jaguars. Yeah, so and he makes tough catches. So he is he has been huge. His addition to the team has been huge. It doesn't mean he's a starting receiver going forward but like even since Hodgins like became you know part like he's in the in these seven games he's had 309 yards 29 catches now Slayton has one less catch but he's got 471 yards in the in these games and a 63 percent catch rate um so Slayton is far superior to me I mean like his speed is the most valuable thing in our wide receiver room right now and he's doing some better like he's gotten better in some of his route running stuff um you know, like Slay- Slayton to me is still the wide receiver one. Like this wide receiver room goes as Slayton goes. I know he's not the most reliable with his hands. Um, even some of his catches, he you know, some of his best plays this year were bobble passes. The Jaguars touchdown, the Texans touchdown, both were bobble passes. You know, where Hodgins is, that's where Hodgins is much more reliable. Slayton's speed is, is, is also just brings a huge different element to a team. I mean, think of the, you know, there were some crossers that Darius Slayton had on Sunday that you know Slayton was able to turn him into 20 plus yard gains. Um think that what what play was he going up against the left sideline? That was huge. It was a huge play. 
Who was that the, against? At the end of the game? Yeah. yeah. You're talking about the, like the drag route that he took? No, I'm talking about this season. This season, he had a huge touchdown. Oh, versus the Texans. Versus the Texans. I mean, that was a huge, huge play. Isaiah Hodgins just doesn't, I mean, just doesn't have that, you know, skill kind of kind of in his back pocket. It's not his fault. He's just not a fast guy. Darius Slayton's speed, even after the catch, even if they're not going to target him, you know, deep down the field as kind of like that explosive play weapon, that deep passing target, Darius Slayton's speed uh, after the catch we've seen has been utilized at times. Um, and Darius Slayton, his yards after the catch per reception is the best of his career so far. He has 5.9 yards after the catch per reception. His best in his entire career was 3.9 yards after the catch per reception. And Slayton's average depth the target is still almost three yards greater than what Isaiah Hodgins uh, is is too. So I think Isaiah Hodgins can be a you know a fine a fine you know little target on first and second down, taking those little slants. Um, you know, get you know getting you a solid six seven yards, taking a big hit that's going to come with that because odds are he's going to have a defender draped on top of him. In the effort to throw the ball more on first down, Isaiah Hodgins I think is going to be a big part of it. He was a big part of it against the Vikings, but in terms of who could be a guy that can make a game a game difference game changing play that you can rely on on a week-in, week-out basis. I still think that guy is going to be Darius Slayton. Well, even in Hodgins' best game, Darius Slayton had 10 yards less than him. And he was targeted six times. He had four catches. The two targets that didn't, he didn't catch, Justin, were two Daniel Jones' two misses of the day, where that little comeback route on the sideline, that's 18 yards right there. Yeah. And then Jones missed him on a – like sailed him on a dig. Again, if, if DJ hit, hits him on target – he has six catches on six targets for 120 yards, you know. Um, so yeah, Slayton's still the wide receiver one. He is what makes this wide receiver room go. Um, and and it's not like, going that fast, but he's what <laughs> he's what makes it go. Yeah. Without without Darius Slayton, this wide receiver room fall like even with Hodgins and Richard James, it totally falls apart. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I still think they need to use Slayton more. I think they're using Hodgins just fine and the volume that he's getting. I still think they should be using Darius Slayton more um, and utilizing him on crossers, utilizing him. That that comeback was was pretty sweet. That's not something that, you know, we've we've seen at least, I don't know if they've run it a lot, but we haven't seen that. We haven't seen Daniel Jones target and throw that route, especially on third down. So I think he could sell that route beautifully, where if you're talking about, if you're afraid of Darius Slayton's speed, He's running, he's running, he's running. He gets to the sticks a little bit past the six. He sells like he's going vertical, cuts back, does that comeback route. Daniel Jones hits him on the sideline. That could be a play that is a dangerous play, and it's a great way to move the chains whenever the Giants kind of need it. So I think they should be using Darius Slayton more in a lot of different ways. Yep. All right, next question. Next question is coming from Mark Breer at MJ Breer. What has impressed you the most, or excuse, what has impressed you most that this coaching staff has accomplished with this roster? Love what you guys have done this year, and looking forward to talking Giants in 2023. Talking Giants versus the goddamn world. Can I take this first, Bobby? Yeah. So, what's I'm going to bring the front office involved in here as well, but what's impressed me the most is how the coaching staff and the front office have really been able to communicate with each other because it's guys like Isaiah Hodgins. It's guys like Henry Mundo. It's guys like Ryder Anderson, all these UDFAs slash guys that they've had to pick up 
after the after the 53 man cutdown day in you know August and September it's all these guys that really have made the difference in, in the season. Jason Pinnock being being another guy coming in when Xavier McKinney has gone down. All these guys have been the difference this season. And for the coaching staff's ability to articulate maybe what they're looking for, um, you know, get these guys involved and when they're actually signed, when they're brought up, yeah, they you can say that they have no choice, but you know, they could have easily just you know, go, you know, put Kenny Galladay out there for every single game, every single snap, and he would have sucked. Instead, they found guys that they liked, they found guys that they wanted to put in there, and it's been working enough to win football games, and, you know, the Giants are on the cusp of a playoff berth. So that's really, you know, rather than just schematically and, you know, getting the most out of players, it's been how can they communicate with the front office on what they're looking for with the limited resources that they have. That has been the thing that has just impressed me the most. Mine, though, is the DBs, like they're get, getting these DBs up to go, you know, like even without a Dory Jackson, they're giving up 225 passing yards per game. That would be 20th in the NFL for passing yards. No, like with our starters, we were worried about the passing defense. Wink, the Ravens had the 30, like the, the dead last in passing defense last year with Wink Martindale. Like that was a, that was a huge fear. It's like, man, these corners, you have one injury, you go down. Aaron Robinson gets hurt. Our worst fear of the offseason happened. We were saying if Aaron Robinson, forget Aaron Adore Robinson. Jackson. If Adoree Jackson goes down, the, the season's over. Now, there were a few weeks there where we were extremely worried, and I do think we win think we that win. first. I think we don't tie the Commanders and beat the Vikings if we have Adoree, uh, I, too. So. I, I agree, but, you know, so while Adoree Jackson going down has really hurt us, man, did I think it was going to kill us Take so us much more. I didn't think we'd be in games without a Dory no, Jackson. No, which is crazy. You know, and again, like you got Fabian Moreau was cut by the Texans in training camp. <laughs> the cut Texans by the Texans. Are bad. <laughs> you know, Pinnock cut by the Jets. McLeod cut by the Bills. Um, and these guys are starting for us right now in a in a freaking playoff push. So Again, they've they've gotten street players out there to be able to at least be able to to hang with teams defensively. Not dominate, but hang with teams. Um the league's best kept secret is Jerome Henderson, and I hope he and I hope he go. I I kind of hope for him that he eventually does go somewhere because you know, I, th- I think he deserves it. We've seen what he's been able to do with the DB room with uh you know with Patrick Graham the last couple of years, but I also hope selfishly for us Giants fans that Jerome Henderson doesn't go anywhere. He's been in three. He's been great in three straight three three different defenses in a row. Uh, maybe even four. I don't remember what the Falcons were doing. Actually, they were Dan Quinn, so I know I know what they were doing. So it's year one with Patrick Graham, where it's a single high, stack the box, cover three, you know. And then last year, where they played a lot of cover three, but they played from quarters, two highs, you know, getting their safeties to be more aggressive, jumping, like the improvement of Xavier McKinney. And then this year, where it's like, all right, we are going to blitz the piss out of you. And then the past two weeks, be like, all right, we're going to play too high. We're going, we're going to, we're going to change the too high play in these wide receivers. So. Yeah, Jerome Henderson, Wink Martindale, what they've been able to do with these DBs has been nothing short of impressive. Mark Beer also talked about, he's like, well, you know, thank you for all the 2022 talking Giants, 2023. I am very excited. You know me, I'm very much like a big, like, what did happen this year? So I'm very excited to go and, you know me, January 2nd, I'm sending you like 25 texts about this oh, yeah. grew this much, this grew this much. So it's been a cool year for talking Giants. On the cusp of our first ever playoff experience with the show. Um, done a, done a lot of cool things. I mean, the draft, the Andrew Thomas interview, 
the growth we made as a show. Train first time we got to the train. Just to, training camp was something where like in 2020, where it's like this is something we got to dominate, and then COVID took it away. Took it away two years. And actually, no, 2021. Don't give let the Giants off the hook. They didn't do training camp because they were lazy. Yeah, I, um, I literally had to tr- drive five hours to go to Massachusetts to cover them for two days. Yeah, so so there was a you know a lot of cool moments for 2022, and I think all the Talking Giants listeners for that. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Right there with you. Um, Die the Giant. I, I, I want to get more sentimental after the last regular. We always get more sentimental after the last regular season game, and we also, we also, I think it was last week's mailbag where we talked about, like, moments. So I'm not going to climb on the sentimental train just yet. Die the Giant at NYG in Wales. Wow. Was the offense versus the Vikings just the game-specific plan? Or does it show that the reins need to be let go on DJ, even with the current state of the O-line wide receivers? Would you rather play safe and smart or risk an interception every game or two for more explosive plays? It should be the same game plan going forward or same type um, because that's what this offense is needed. So I'm hoping it is. Now, the difference is we have plays faced light boxes and two high coverages for the first time in a long time. These last two weeks versus the Commanders and the Vikings. Where they've went to the shotgun quick game and stuff, but they've kind of, they've went away from the second and long play actions, and even their play action they've started doing out of eleven personnel instead of out of tw- uh, you know two tight end stuff and getting more guys down the field uh, and occupying space. And they've been running Saquon when it's smart to run Saquon. They haven't been running Saquon for the sake of it, and it's led to him getting some you know good runs versus light boxes. It's what it's what's what they did earlier in the year too. I I, I kind of just feel like they're not doing anything. Maybe the maybe the first down pass. No, I don't even know if the pa- the first down pass frequency I think was close to this, or earlier in the year. I don't even feel like they're doing anything new. It's just they're going back to what worked earlier in the year, and they're not just stuffing Saquon, stuffing Saquon, stuffing Saquon. Yeah. So again, using Saquon in a smarter way, you know, essentially working smarter, not harder with Saquon. And then watch the film review this week. I went through some stuff that DJ was doing. And it's high. It's some high level football the Giants are doing. Like I, I phrased it on the tweet. I'm like, the Giants have answers for the defense's answers, you know. And I know we all hate Richie James for the drop, and it it drives me nuts. I it, it's hard, you know. I'm st- I still think about it. But Richie James and him are on a good page right now, where they are reading coverages, reading leverages, and what we talked about in training camp that the offense was struggling with and having option routes. They're starting to run some of those things, man. And even Slayton is doing well with them, Hodgins. And guys are buying in as we're getting the year. It's It almost reminds you of like McAdoo, where it's like it drives you nuts, drives you nuts. But then the playoffs, like it's like you dial in and those option routes, they all work. Now, we don't have the talent that those teams had, but it's like stuff is starting to click. You mean with- Ma- McAdoo or Gilbride? Did I say Gilbride or McAdoo? Did I say you McAdoo? Said, you said McAdoo. You meant Gilbride. Oh, yeah. Gilbride. Gilbride. Um, so... Yeah, they're doing some they're doing some high level stuff uh, in the passing game, um, and, and I'm here for it. Do you even see the the Daniel Bellinger fumble? How Daniel Bellinger lined up as a fullback and then he ran a crosser over the middle of the field. I thought that was that, awesome. Yep, that's another thing right there. Like getting him, you know, out, out of the backfield allows him to get lined up with linebackers and not safeties, and where his you know speed is a little more is is better matched up. So they're doing some good things, man. Um, they, like I said, they they had to adjust. They got. T- League caught up with them. They've adjusted the past couple weeks. 
Yeah. Even though they only put up 13 points versus the Commanders and they're still there should have been more deep concepts mixed in. Like they have a, they they've adjusted once again. Yeah, there, there's certainly a, a balance between, you know, let's just use Daniel Jones's rookie year as an example. Um, you know, if that was a year where he quote unquote aired it out and aired it deep and was slinging it around the field, his average intended air yards per attempt was eight yards. Uh, this year it's 6.4, which is the lowest of his career by almost an entire yard. Uh, 2021 last year was 7.2 intended air yards per attempt. So uh, there there is a balance between, you know, kind of being Jameis Winston. You know, with, with the with the Bucks and throwing thirty interceptions with an insane, you know, insanely throwing it deep, and then there's also a balance to just being super ultra conservative. And I think, uh, especially against the Vikings, uh, that's that's striking that's striking that balance. Now, what are you going to do against a pass defense that is that is in the Minnesota Vikings? That is now the next question, Bobby Skinner, and I guess we'll talk about that on the preview pod. All right, next question. Next question. How many more do we have left? Pick one. We have one. We have one. Uh, this is coming from Kev Kiev at CandyCube underscore. Uh, how big of a party are we throwing after we clinch on Sunday? Dude, it's gonna feel so good. Like, I, we're gonna over celebrate, by the way, too. Like you know, like it's gonna we be. Uh, oh my god, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be insufferable after beating the Colts. We gotta beat them though, dude. We got, and I think we gotta win convincingly. Like. Like I, I want, I want, I want it so bad, man. Like I need these playoffs. I need them badly. Um, so I, I am, I am so freaking pumped for this game. Like I, I need it to be Sunday now. They should kick some ass. I mean, I, I think the the Commanders game was was awesome defensively. I thought the Vikings game was awesome offensively. Um, it, I, I'm. I'm so sick. I was thinking about this sitting in, you know, sitting in the bar in Atlantic City, watching Sunday Night Football, having a nice cigar, and this is what I'm thinking about. Had a sick thought. You know, Bobby, you mentioned earlier in the pod that, you know, we haven't had that, like, big, like, wow, Giants offense is here game. Saquon Barkley obviously going down prevents you from scoring 30 points against the Ravens. And then, you know, something that we didn't talk about on Sunday is Daniel Bellinger fumble, Richie James drop. Both happened when the Giants crossed the 50-yard line. Giants scoring 24 points. They could have had 30 points this weekend. They could have two games this year where we have been robbed. Robbed of 30-point outings that we haven't had. The offense has not had since December 22nd, 2019. I want this Sunday to go to the playoffs. And for the first time since before, we had a global pandemic. Score thirty points. That's what I want. Yeah, we. I just. I just need a playoff berth. Like that's. That's all I want. I want it's both. Just, I'm getting greedy. Games. Um, so Imagine we, we score thirty points. How come we aren't selling playoff uh, tickets yet? Oh, that's uh. We'll 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 text uh we'll text our guy tomorrow to say hey let's uh how, how do we go about doing this I I don't know what the typical protocol is. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Also, I had a thought, and I I wanted to finish this for this for the last. You know, mailbag is big picture. Da da da. For the playoff game, what do we do for the mailbag pod? Do you think should we stream? Should we have a guest on and stream, and then just put it on? I was podcast thinking apps? maybe doing a guest for the mailbag pod. Oh, a guest for the mailbag pod. Well, instead of like instead of a mailbag, maybe like we'll do. 
like a yes and then some mailbag questions like yeah. old school talking because like, it's like like let's go through the questions like what is talking stopping you from saying dj's the guy epa um gates versus bread you know, like like we're getting ready for the playoffs like we we are in a do or like literally win or die situation we got all off season to talk about some big picture stuff yeah so maybe we'll maybe we'll try and get the tony award winner on wow okay you All know. right. Yeah, we have to think about how we want to approach or we, that. Or we could even we could even just have somebody else on, you know, that is not a beat reporter, like just other giants, like some other that's, giants. That's that's why that's why I was thinking of because I, I I love our I love our beat reporter friends, but somebody you know getting somebody here who's yeah you know, we need a can, fan actually someone maybe like Weiss or somebody yeah yeah like I, I want to someone get who's going to be hyped with up me. with us get yeah. excited with me yeah 100%. because it's. So again, so I was I was just thinking about that. I was like, what do we do for mailback pods? You know, or the Wednesday pods? Like, we're not going to go. We're not going to go to two podcasts. I was like, do we just talk about? You know, I don't know. Um. So I was I was thinking about this. So, so I guess let us know. You know who you'd like us to have on. Um. You know, and maybe we'll even have two people on. Why like, not? I, so here's so. I'll just throw out names. I don't want to put into any two two names I know would say yes to us. Because they're super nice guys. So if we had like Wyson and Anatana, should we like have them at, should be all four of us or be like 20 minutes with Weiss, 20 minutes with Chris? Because they don't, I don't know how much they've talked, you know. Or, yeah, you know. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of segments. I don't like putting people in the same room that haven't talked to each other. Wes Locke said one in, in the chat that I might just ban him for. Um, Who did he say? Connor Hughes. Should we have Carl on? <laughs> um i listened to their podcast man and for people who got like mad at us me, us for like our one episode a year where we get mad at twitter like man that's their whole podcast carl banks and i both also used the same phrase about yeah. talking about special teams it was pretty funny um but you know how it is it's like we each have, i think it's we each have once every other year where it's like you just have a meltdown of like social media and like on the podcast yeah we and we people get mad at us like but I, even, I like that they do because it puts it into perspective it's like do your job yeah i try you know? i try not to really and i also i think you do it a little bit more than i do i try to put you like hey don't don't do that. It, it was the Bucks game 2020. That was, was an all-time meltdown. Monday Night Football. And then after that, that was Daniel. Because th- that's the only time where Daniel Jones has been flat out bad for his career. It was like the first half of 2020. And that was like a cherry on top. Like, man, it's all coming down. Like, yeah, af- after that game, I had to be like, we cannot have podcasts where we are just reacting to what Twitter says. We we just we can't do it. We got to think, you know, think with our brains, think, you know, see what we're seeing with our eyes and. You know, talk with the brains and root with the heart. That's 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 what you that's what you got to do. Um. So, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do something different than a mailbag. So one more mailbag pod of the year, and then it's then we'll do an off. Hopefully, we'll, it like doesn't matter. Like I don't want it to matter. I want to coast. I want to coast into the postseason. I want to yep. celebrate for two weeks that we made it, and then get ready to fucking go to war. Dude, we are we are we have we are like banking. We have to beat the Colts. Like you could tell in our in our tones the dismiss the dismissiveness. Like we are totally bank. Like if we lose this week, it's it will be a meltdown. Not gonna, like, we're not gonna. There's no excuse to lose to the Colts, and we'll no talk way. about that more on the preview pod. No way. Um. All right, so we will see you guys on Friday for an epic, epic preview pod. Um. 
We'll see you then. We love you guys sincerely. Let's go big blue.